Good evening, this is Pastor Mike Gomez with U-Turn for Christ, New Mexico. I'm out here in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and I am sitting down to do a podcast with SoundCloud, and the reason for this is just to share some thoughts and share um, the Word of God with anybody who is listening to the podcast and tonight, I'm really um, looking at First Thessalonians. We always do um, something to do with the, Bi- the Bible, the Word of God, in the podcast. So, um, I am looking at First and Second Thessalonians. And the thing that God has been putting on my heart is, are we in the great apostasy? Second Thessalonians talks about it. Uh, first and second Timothy talk about it and Jesus spoke about it and I'm going to read to you uh, something that it says in second Thessalonians chapter 2 it says now brethren concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him we ask you not to be soon shaken in mind or trouble either by spirit or by word or by letter as if from us as though The day of Christ had come. Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first and the man of sin is revealed. The son of perdition who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things, and now you know Now you know what is restraining, that he may be revealed in his own time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. Then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all power signs and lying wonders, and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish, because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this reason, God will send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie, that they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. But we are bound always to give, but we are bound to give things to God always for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God from the beginning chose you for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in truth to which he called you by our gospel. He goes on and on um, about, you know, the different callings and warnings, but, you know, that, that section of scripture there in Second Thessalonians is explaining that there's going to be people who are um, out to deceive and we see that happening in the church today, and we see that happening in uh, different circles of Christianity. You have deception, and um, it's, it is shaking the, the church. It's shaking people. And I've recently had just kind of this big question, like I said at the beginning, of are we in the great apostasy? And so um, he says, he, he tells them, ahead of time not to worry okay 
That, that's what I take away from here. Uh, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him, we ask you not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled, either by spirit or by word or by letter, as if from us, as though the day of Christ had come. So obviously the Thessalonians back in those days were being told the same lies that we are hearing today. Obviously he's addressing those very lies that Jesus had already come or that Jesus wasn't coming or anything about who Jesus is and anything that takes away from the name of Jesus Christ. You know, um, the real Jesus Christ, not not the one that people make up for themselves. So, you know, I have real um, strong inclination to talk about it and to just put that out there. And so that's why I'm here just putting this down on um, on a podcast. I want to go back and look at um, 1 Thessalonians and... Concerning the times, 1 Thessalonians 5.1 Concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them, as labor pains upon a pregnant woman. And they shall not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness, so that this day should overtake you as a thief. So again, he's talking about the day of the Lord. You know, Judgment Day. I remember uh, watching movies like Terminator 2, Judgment Day, and thinking, you know, that imagery where the nuclear bomb just blows up and incinerates a whole city like L.A. or something. And, and it's really just scary to think about. So, you know, when you get older and you start realizing that those are things that have really happened, and you look at Japan and you know two two bombs have been set off in those cities and what would happen today how would we deal with that today what would we think if something like that mass casualty incident like the uh professionals call it you know you have some sort of mass casualty incident we're having a lot of those in the nation but you know there that that's on a scale that's just unimaginable and I look at this and I say, are we getting close? Um, I, I remember reading about um, this in, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13, concerning those who have fallen asleep in verse 13. I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For we say to you by the word of the Lord that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend. So he's talking about the rapture here. The Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. And we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore comfort one another with these words. So we see Jesus. One of the key characteristics between the rapture and the second coming is that we meet Jesus in the air. His feet never touch the ground. But from there on forward, 
we are always with him. And I find real comfort with that because I, I can't wait till we do see Jesus. It's a little scary to think one day we're going to die. One day we're not going to have what we uh, could see right now and we're going to change. We're going to change. Our appearance is going to change. We're going to be different people. And I think, wow, that's that's pretty scary um, in a sense. But it's also really cool. We're not going to struggle with our bodies. I know a lot of people who are sick and have ailments with their bodies and have been through injuries and are debilitated and and maybe they've been uh, debilitated their whole life and you know all these questions about how are how full of a life are we gonna have and it's just incredible to think man god he's unlimited he's unlimited and, and we're gonna be with him always and I, I look to those things and I say, man, I, that's the things I want to see happen. But I, I look back and I put my focus down here and I observe the world. And you see the craziness taking place. It's just incredible, the craziness that's taking place. Um, here in my city in Albuquerque, we have a, um, a store called Albertsons. And the other night... A man was caught, a man and his girlfriend was caught stealing some bottles of alcohol. And the the guy um, got away, but the girlfriend didn't. And his, um, his girlfriend was detained by the security officer and was waiting for the police while the guy gets in his car and he starts ramming the store and um you know putting people in danger and and trying to get his girlfriend to free free him you know and this is over a bottle of alcohol and it's not um it's just lawlessness and so the the security guard defending himself ended up shooting and killing the man and the man ends up being one of the nephews of a lady from our church and i think wow you know what a what a tough thing to be going through as a family and there there's just stuff like that every day that's not uncommon we hear that every day something like that i'm sure many of the listeners have different stories that they could share but i, I i'm thinking are we in the great apostasy we have that happening that stuff has always happened in the world but in the church it's different the church is supposed to be a place that's set aside and it's supposed to be a, a place of reason and a place of blessing. And, and it is, you know, the, the church of God is is pure. The bride, the real bride of Christ is found in the great calling and gospel of the Lord Jesus, those who believe. And you have... People who go to church and people who lead in church and you have different um, people who, you know, supposedly follow God. But I look at 1 Timothy chapter 4 and it tells us in verse 1, The Spirit expressly says that in the latter times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies and hypocrisy having their own conscience seared with a hot iron. 
forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from foods, which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who, who believe and know the truth. For every creature of God is good, and nothing is to be ref refused. If it is received with thanksgiving, for it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. If you instruct the brethren in these things, you will be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished in the words of faith and of the good doctrine which you have carefully followed. But you have carefully but you reject profane and old wives' tables, um, old wives' fables, rejecting profane. Okay, verse seven. But you have carefully followed, but reject profane and old wives' fables, and exercise yourself toward godliness. For bodily exercise profits a little, but godliness is profitable for all things having promise of the life that now is, and of that which is to come. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance, for to this end we both labor and suffer reproach, because we trust in the living God, who is the Savior of all men, especially of those who believe. These things command and teach. So the first part of chapter 4 warns us of the great apostasy, and the second part says, since you will face something like that, you got to learn to be a good servant. You got to learn how to serve people and to reject and exercise yourself towards godliness and being reminded of that promise which is to come. This this life is not everything. And a lot of people want their best life now. And we might not have the best life now. We might have to walk the way of the cross, the Via Dolorosa, if you will. Um, that's the way of Christ on earth. Our Savior came and suffered and walked down that road. And I'm not saying that we don't have the joy of the Lord and the Holy Spirit and comfort and everything. But I think many times, you know, the prosperity gospel isn't just preachers asking for you know, airplanes and fancy cars and asking people for money all the time. Sometimes a prosperity gospel can look like us just wanting to have pleasure and wanting to have our best life now and not willing to suffer, not willing to stay in the game, if you will, wanting to get benched and put our, our gifts aside and not be used by God because, you know, we want to do what we want to do. And that prosperity gospel is, is dangerous because it says that we need to get blessed now. We need to see results now. And we need to act and see um, God moving right away my way. And and so that's a, that is a very dangerous thing that I see happening in the church with um, just different young preachers and people who are inclined towards success and, and have looked at the way of the world and say, that's how you got to do it. You got to do it like how the world does it. You have different coaches and different uh, pastors who are becoming life coaches instead of dispensing the word of God. They're dispensing life um, coaching 
and and it's fine it comes out in the word of god but but if you're going to be a life coach be a life coach if you're going to be a pastor be a pastor who gives the word of god and delivers the message and is a faithful messenger of god and second timothy it, it warns us a lot in chapter 3 it says but know this that in the last times Verse 1, in the last days perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. That's what I was talking about there. Having a form of godliness, but denying its power. And from such people turn away. For of this sort are those who creep into households and make captives of gullible women, loaded down with sins, led away by various lusts, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now this part right here is really interesting to me. It always has been, but even in these last days, Janus and Jamaris resisted Moses. So do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds, disapproved concerning the faith. But they will progress no further, for their folly will be manifest to all, as theirs also was. So if you remember back in the story of Moses, um, Janus and Jambres are the guys who end up um, opposing Moses through their sorcery. Um, and Satan has real power. And he can dispense real power to these false prophets and people who are out there you know preaching the gospel but using false signs and wonders and using um using god's word but using it in a way that that makes them look like they're somebody that they're not and it makes them look like they're um like they want to look like a celebrity like they really care and, and that, this is really dangerous um because people want to believe in God. People want to be led by good men of God. And there are those who are vulnerable. There are older people who are looking for help and looking for someone who will listen to them. There are younger people who are vulnerable and they're looking to be strengthened and looking for direction in life. And and you, you see men like that just play into um, those needs. They see those needs and they identify those needs. And they put themselves in positions to see themselves become the center of those people's lives. And that's how a false prophet will work. They'll exalt themselves. They'll make themselves be the most important person. And their thing is the most important thing. Instead of Jesus. If you remember Janice and Jambres, they copied Moses's stick god said to moses you know to tell aaron to throw down the stick and it became a serpent and satan did the same thing he was able to allow the two servants of pharaoh janice and jambres to throw down their sticks and and it also became a serpent now that's such a powerful deception it's a clone it, it's copying god and, and it looks twice as powerful but you see 
what happens at the end of that story there is God ends up swallowing up those two state uh, snakes. And he turns them into nothing. And that's exactly what God will do in the last days with the apostasy happening here. Um, we see that the deception happen. There, it also talks about that there's a man who will take captives, households of gullible women. And, and we see that happening more and more in our society where men will prey on a vulnerable woman or vulnerable household of women and um, a woman who, who is loaded down with uh, all sorts of kids and pressure and um, financial issues and, and she needs help and, and there are corrupt men who will see that and will step in and take care of them and provide them the power that, that a man has and that only lasts for a little while because the man ends up, um, once he earns the trust of that woman or that household, then he ends up turning and turning the, the family there into his own little kingdom. And, and so that's, that's the days and age, age we live in. And it's been happening all the time throughout history. But in these last days that we live in, it's increasing more and more. There's, there's much more that God talks about. There, there's sorcery, witchcraft, pharmacia. That's drug use. And that's, that's um, something that we deal with on a daily basis. Here in Albuquerque, we have a lot of drug use. It's high in drug use. Um, I have a family who serves with us and um, one of the young gentlemen who's part of that family his um, girlfriend lives away and they're they're planning to get married and everything but um, the mother of this young man recently told her son that she probably probably might think twice about coming here because the the city was so bad and she wanted her to come to a safe place. And so these, this young couple's possibly looking at going to another place. And you know what? A lot, a lot of people are probably thinking that because this city's gotten so bad and so overrun. And there has been a big failure, I think, in our um, police department. Not by our police, but by our community failing our, our police department and really just um, tying their hands for the past couple years and the police have not been able to police like they should and we've been paying the price um, before the the, um, the crime went up there was um, a bunch of police shootings and what happened, these police were, were getting put in dangerous situations. And they um, they were trying to clean up the streets. And the, uh, criminals would um, put them in a position where they, they just have to end up shooting somebody. And uh, there was a few incidents where uh, some, some of the policemen took it too far or went just out of control. And, and um, you know, they, they went to trial and all those things. And uh, they faced whatever the justice system had for them. But the point is that 
we live in a city that's overrun and and there's the main contributing factor there most people would probably say is drugs it's it's drugs there there's a lot of drugs being sold and trafficked and moved along here and it's it's kind of like a base or a corridor and uh it's an it's an interesting place our city i think all cities have different sorts of atmosphere where um, criminal activity can can exist and networks that are long-standing networks and and we're no different we have the same elements that the enemy uses and um, you have political upheaval we have democrats on the inside of the um, Bernalillo county and we have a uh, largely republican state outside of the counties of like santa fe and um you know albuquerque where bernalillo where albuquerque is and and then down in las cruces so it's um it's really hard to get a gauge but the facts are there we have bad issue with drugs the bible defines drug use as sorcery or witchcraft um which we would call pharmakia now that word pharmakia is it's a greek word and it's where you get the word pharmacy from i have a lot of issues with the pharmacies in general and the pharmaceutical companies and different things like that i i myself have been a um a person who was on many different psych meds and um was prescribed methadone and those were all done through the health system, the healthcare system. And um, I can tell you from experience that those things, they did not make my life better. In fact, they, they made my life mm -hmm. worse, almost into a living hell. And I looked at what, um, what they did to me. And when I, when I myself enrolled in the U-Turn for Christ ministry, one of the deals was, we couldn't do or bring in or continue to use any of the psych meds. Of course, none of the none of the other pills that I was using, which was just narcotics. But um, the psych meds were interesting, and um, and I thought, why would they take you off psych meds? You know, and what is the deal with that? They're supposed to help you, and. I just didn't get it, but I understood that that's how they ran the program. And sure enough, I I got off of the psych meds and, and I started feeling a lot better, actually. One of the big things I did was I, I didn't tell the doctor that I was using a ton of drugs when he was helping get my diagnosis. So because of my lying and my abuse of the system and just trying to manipulate I, I ended up getting caught up in in the pill scene and um, ended up on a lot of psych meds and then I would get my um, benzodiazepines which, which are um, you know basically Xanax and all that kind of stuff that calms you down it's like an sedative almost and all those things were just drugs that I was pumping in my system. Alcohol, obviously, is a huge one, and I always drank. And 
man, this, this whole world was just messed up. And it still is. I thank God that he pulled me out. I thank God that he did what he did, opened up my eyes. And, and you know, it's been 14 years for me off of everything. Um, there was a, a period where I struggled with um, cigarettes and nicotine for about a year. And I struggled to give that up. And you guys, that's one of the hardest things to come off of is the nicotine. But... You know, those are things that God showed me and God helped me with. And I had to trust over to him through that process of sanctification. Just believing God and becoming more like him. As he as He makes me more like him, I I love him more. And, and it's this process that takes place where you mature in Christ. Well, you know, I wouldn't have been able to mature in Christ to really hear from God. And really be able to follow God on the on the psych meds. Now I'm not a doctor, and no, I'm not a professional therapist or anything like that. But I am a pastor, and I believe the Word of God. That you know, the Spirit expressly says in the latter times there's going to be a lot of this stuff happening. A lot of this stuff is happening, and it's listed in the Bible. Pharmacia, man. It's really something that we have to look at and say, God said it. He put it in there. There's, he's going to use different drugs, whether they're legal or not. I have a, a lot of friends and family who uh, believe in smoking pot, you know, and that that's really helping them. And, and I can't say that it's not or isn't. But what I can say is that God calls these things pharmacia. And he doesn't like it, you know. Maybe it helps, maybe not. I mean, what's the difference, right, they ask? What's the difference between a person using opiates and a person using marijuana? Well, there really is no difference. But the difference is, you know, it's so easy to start off on the pot and then end up on... So it's, it's a compromise even, and, and it opens up the doorways. So people who are abusing it and who are lying and not getting it, um, their, their medical um, health dealt with the right way. You know, we do it because we lie to ourselves so that way we can continue to have drugs or continue to justify our drug use. And, and so it comes down to just really being a, an honest person before the Lord and saying, God, this is what you have to do. You have to say, God, do you want me to stop? God, please help me stop. He'll show you, you know, and maybe in the bottom of your heart, if you're really asking that question, you already know. Maybe you have perfect peace. Um, you know, perfect peace isn't always a indication of what's right because you have peace about something. Because our flesh makes it real easy for us to want to quit or want to run away and and when we when we quit or run away or stop hanging in there and hanging tough for the Lord and denying ourselves when we run away we get this sense of peace because we're no longer fighting against our flesh and you you feel that that weakness um strengthened because you fill the flesh and the flesh gets happy so it's kind of a uh 
it's a tricky deal, man. The the pharmacia and all this stuff. Like I said, I'm not a doctor. I don't know the ins and outs of all the different meds, but I do know a little bit because I was a patient and I've seen many people come off of these things. Now maybe there exist other types of medicines um, and other types of vitamins and stuff like that that is for the brain and um, you know the chemical imbalance deal is really hard to tell because from my research and from the the doctors and people that I've talked to there really is no real way to to test what chemicals are low in your brain it's really kind of a guess and so so people will say you have a chemical imbalance and then you have uh, just kind of a doctor guessing at which chemicals are low like like can he tell me doc which chemical is low or which chemical is Im- imbalanced and and they really don't have a, a test that's definitive and tells you what what it is you know they just start hey, try a little bit of this and try a little bit of that and so the the you know the system there to to test and find out which part of your brain is chemically imbalanced it's it's not science it's really just guesswork and they have these different medicines they try out on you and they kind of do a guinea pig thing on you until until they find something that levels you out for my doctor you know he he prescribed me different pills that would basically make me feel numb and it would take away my my feelings you know, it would kind of just numb me or kind of just make me feel like the days passing by really fast. And um, But I was a zombie and my, my uh, parents and people who looked at me daily, they, they saw it even when I couldn't see it. And, uh, you know, I ended up on methadone too at the same time. And that's a very powerful opiate. And, you know, it's, it's almost twice as addictive as, as heroin is very very strong and I would get it every day from my drug dealer aka the the pharmacy and and that stuff was so powerful as a as a 19 year old you know, being on that stuff that was the hardest time of my life stripped me of all my character stripped me of all my will to to move forward and um, anything that might have been good to, to help me uh, become a mature man it just took away all the the drive and natural inclination. And this is before I even knew Christ. It just took away anything that could have um, made me become productive in society. It basically just um, condemned me as a 19-year-old to a life of just going to the, uh, I call it idolatry. I would go to my pharmacy god every day. And bow down and pay my $8 or $12 or get my weekend doses. And, and I would bow down every day and take the liquid and, and make the sickness go away. And that was life for me from 19 till about 23. And it was life in hell for those three years or four years. It, it was just a ugly life. And of course, I was already in trouble before that, but... But it escalated things, and it just put me in a spot. There were some old guys in the methadone clinic, and they would turn and look at me and say, you're on the liquid handcuffs. Those things were, that dose of 
methadone was liquid handcuffs. You know, recently, this last year, I was preaching at our church as a guest speaker, and, and a lady came up to me afterward, and she asked if I remembered her, and I said no. And uh, she told me if I used to go to the the methadone clinic, which I won't name, but the methadone clinic was where she worked. She was the one who dispensed the methadone, and I was her youngest client. And she told me how awesome God was to just let her see me, let her hear me from preaching the word of God to from being a addict to methadone to being an addict to Jesus. I'm addicted to serving Jesus. That's my life. That's what I do now. You know, the only time addiction or addicted is mentioned in the Bible, it's when it's serving the Lord. <laughs> and I just say, amen. That's that's really, really cool that that's the only time addiction is mentioned that way. There's other forms of looking at addiction like adultery or idolatry or slavery. Those are the three ways that we generally look at um, addiction, slavery, idolatry, and, um, well, I forgot the last one, slavery, idolatry, and adultery. So the lady said she used to cry when I would go into the methadone clinic because I was the youngest methadone user in there at the time. I don't know if they're has been younger ones, I'm sure, 18-year-olds and stuff like that. They would go in to get their methadone dose. But, you know, God became real to her and in a more profound way that day, I think, when she was talking to me and telling me, and that, that just hit me. I wonder how many other 18, 19, 20-year-olds are, are on the methadone program or are stuck in the, the cycle of just the, the system of pills and you know psychiatry and psychology and and I think um, about psychiatry you know that psychiatry is the study of the soul but somewhere along the line you know the psyche it means soul but somewhere along the lines that study that field got turned into the study of the mind and so you, you have this kind of conversion in the, the medical field of psychiatry and psychology and all of this um, sort of stuff, matters of the brain, matters of thinking, and you have it turn into something that doesn't deal with the soul. So something I was taught was that we're created in God's image, body, mind, and soul. You know, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, the Holy Trinity, well, our lives in a way mirror the same thing, body, mind, and soul. And to deal with those issues that are root issues, you got to get to the root of the problem. Now, you can cut weeds on a field and, you know, just cut them at the top, but they're always going to grow back unless you pull them out at the root. Have you guys ever done that? You have to pull out the weeds from the roots so that way they don't grow back while sin is an offense to God and sin is the root of our problem sin is the root of our bondage and guess what Jesus Christ God Almighty in the flesh 
died on the cross and paid the price for us to give us new life. And since he overcame and paid the price for our sin and he overcame death, we benefit from him. We just simply put our trust in him and that's when he takes off those shackles, that's when he takes off those chains and things that were once weighing us down no longer hold weight over us because the weight of sin has been taken off by our Lord Jesus Christ. And so that's the hope and that's the way that I've lived for the past 14 or 15 years. But yeah, the, the great apostasy, is it real? Is it happening now? We know it's real because the Bible says it's going to happen. And are we in the midst of it? I think so. Leave some comments in the podcast or contact us at uturnforchristnewmexico.org. You can leave a prayer request there. The prayer request button is just simple. You push it, um, you fill out a form, and it comes back to us. And, and we have a team of people praying for it. And so we have uh, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and um, we do live on some of those things. But I want to ask uh, those of you who are prayer warriors out there to pray for us. And, um, you know, just reading a little bit about the great apostasy. Yeah, you guys, get serious about your faith. Get serious about what God is doing and what God is showing you and what God is doing and and the different ministries you may be called to serve in, or maybe you're just in the world and you're listening to this and you're saying, you know, what, what are those things he's talking about? Jesus' return is near. Jesus' return, the rapture, it's going to happen, guys. It's not if it's going to happen, it's when. And I believe we live in those days. Could the Antichrist be alive? We read it earlier. The spirit of lawlessness, the spirit of the Antichrist, is already at work in the world. And yes, the Antichrist could be already alive in this world. The one world order, the one world system, all that that kind of stuff that, that the Bible talks about, that, that stuff's already going together. They already have everything to do it. So um, there's going to come a time when preachers and people like me we get thrown in jail for hate speech, for saying that God says that our sins are needing to be forgiven in order to make it into heaven. And, and one day they're going to, they're already calling that hate speech. You know, a boy and a girl, they're both created by God. God created the boy as a boy. God created the girl as a girl. And... That's the way creation has been since the beginning. And we live in a day and age where boys are girls and girls are boys. And just to talk about it like that, you could get in trouble nowadays. Well, guys, I believe we are pushing the limits here on what the world is saying is acceptable. And I pray that your faith in Jesus and your love for him and others grows. God bless you.